Just in and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader. Through 25 seasons. Hey! 4,561 episodes. I believe The Oprah Winfrey Show was one of the greatest classrooms in the world. I really never thought of it that way. The aha moments, the breakthroughs, the LOLs, the connections, the occasional ugly cry. I miss him so terribly. I miss him every single minute. The moments that mattered. Daddy! The eye-opening life lessons. Never allow them to take you somewhere else. I'm bringing them back. It's time to open the vault. I've personally chosen these classic episodes to share with you again. Every single person you ever will meet shares that common desire. They want to know, do you see me? Do you hear me? Does what I say mean anything to you? You are listening to The Oprah Winfrey Show, the podcast. Okay, so they appear in front of millions in the movies, on television, on stage, but off camera, away from the crowds. No one knew they secretly battled mental illness. Well, millions of people watch actor Maurice Bernard on TV, but most people do not realize that behind the scenes, he is living a frightening real-life drama every day. Maurice Bernard sizzles as Sonny Corinthos, the gorgeous star of ABC's hit soap opera, General Hospital. In real life, the devoted family man has been married to his sweetheart, Paula, for 14 years, and they live a quiet life in Los Angeles with their two daughters. But Maurice's life isn't as picture-perfect as it seems. Every day, behind the scenes, Maurice battles a mental illness that once left him violent, suicidal, and, at its worst, locked inside a mental institution, wondering if he'd ever get out. So Maurice's struggle with the demons of his bipolar disorder began in his early 20s, just as he was beginning his acting career. I think the real start of it was I, I woke up in my friend's apartment, and I was drinking, and I was crying uncontrollably. And I said, uh, I think I'm losing my mind. That was just the beginning of the battle inside Maurice Bernard's brain. At 22, he slipped into what he calls the dark side and turned violent against his mother. I grabbed her kind of physical by the arm. When I looked at my dad and I said that I was the devil, and I was yelling at him, scary. And my mind was, was racing 100 miles an hour. It's kind of like being in a nightmare and not being able to wake up. They had to admit me. I went to a psychiatric hospital. I was strapped down in a wheelchair. I remember waking up, and the sunlight was coming through the window. I could barely hear anybody. And I thought, all right, I died, and I'm, I'm in heaven. He was trapped in his own nightmare, heavily medicated and restrained in solitary confinement in a mental institution. And I remember having thoughts of, you know, ending, ending it. In that state, you almost feel like 
it's always gonna be that way. So why is life worth living? Maurice was diagnosed as manic depressive. What's happening inside of you, you almost feel like you, you wanna explode. You have so much emotion, so much energy, almost like a drug, the high you get from it. But for Maurice, the manic highs are always followed by a deep, paralyzing depression. I had no confidence. You know, you look in the mirror and you, you're still the same person, but it doesn't matter, it's what's happening inside. It's just an enormous, enormous amount of pain. In 1985, he met the love of his life, Paula. They shared an instant and deep connection. I remember uh, pretty much telling her what had happened. He said he's manic depressive and he's had a nervous breakdown. I didn't even know what a nervous breakdown was. He's a great guy, he's a charming guy, funny guy. I hadn't seen what the disease had done to Maurice. Well, his career was going well and he was feeling good, so Maurice took a risk and stopped taking his medication. And that's when he got his big break. In 1993, Maurice landed the role of Sonny on General Hospital. Then you better be careful. But he was living two lives, one as a successful TV star, the other a man struggling to keep his sanity. Three weeks into his new job, Maurice plunged into another dark mania. I remember doing scenes with my co-star and she was crying on my chest and I remember feeling like I was gonna explode. Maurice was rapidly losing control and couldn't distinguish what was real and what was on TV. At one point, he believed he really was Sonny. Inside, I, I was nervous. We went to sleep. I knew something was wrong. I got up, went into the kitchen and grabbed a bottle of red wine. I started drinking it. And her nieces were sleeping in the living room. And I'm pretty drunk and just violent. And now he's turning into another person, like literally in front of my eyes. And I said, don't cry. If you cry, I'm gonna, I'm gonna kill you. And I'm gonna kill your nieces. I put my hand on one of the girls. That was just gonna scare her. The dark side wants to just, it's a game, pushing, pushing, pushing. Maurice and Paula Bernard <sighs> are here. Thank you so much. I Thank think you. it's really brave of you to come forward. You're doing a great service. You told our producers that you remember seeing uh, Paula shaking when you threatened to kill her. Yeah, what happened was uh, I had gone into the kitchen to get a, a bottle of wine. I, was, I drank about half of it. Mm -hmm. And I started feeling, you know, very violent. And I remember her crying. She was sitting down. And her, uh, I've never seen this only in movies. Her knees were shaking and the, and the, the table was... Really? And then in that state of mind that I was in, I said to her, don't cry. Mm -hmm. Stop crying. And she wouldn't stop, so I started yelling. And I told her uh, that I, I, if she didn't stop, that I was going to kill her. But see, she, she says differently. <laughs> now she's going to But in my mind, I didn't I believe I would. It was just a game I was playing. Mm -hmm. Now, she believed that I, that I would. Did you believe that he would kill you? I didn't know. Mm -hmm. I didn't know. What, did you see him transform before your eyes? What happens to him in that state? It was probably about a week's 
time that I saw the transformation. Uh -huh. And what did you see in that week? He just, you know, he would come home from work and he would say things to me that he said on set mm -hmm. as his character. Mm -hmm. And I knew his lines. I ran on his, all his lines with him. And I would kind of look at him and think, okay, he's doing his method thing, but there was also something underneath <laughs> that I wasn't really sure about. I was starting to get nervous. I'd known his history of, you know, of manic depression. So I just, you know, when you see it happening in front of you, you don't want to believe it. Mm -hmm. So you let it go and you let it go. Mm -hmm. For as long as you, you can. Pretend that this isn't yeah, happening. yeah. You just okay. pretend it's so not he there. would come home as Sunny. Is that what, what you're saying? Yeah, I'd, I'd come home sometimes, and and I would say, I would be talking to her, and I'd say his lines, mm -hmm. and she would say, "Didn't we work on that last night?" And I'd be, like, mm -hmm. "Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah." Mm -hmm. So I was starting to not be able to, sh you know, I, I couldn't leave the character at work. Mm -hmm. I started to bring him home, mm -hmm. and then one thing led to another, and it just <laughs> got it got worse and worse, and uh, like at times I would just cry for no reason. See, I believe. When I'm going through this, it's like the devil and God fighting each other. Uh-huh. And usually God wins. Mm -hmm. um, and thank God in my situation, he did. But it's, to me, it's like being in a nightmare, not being able to wake up, you know, and every so often you wake up and you're like, what's happening to me? Justin and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader. Tell me this, were you in the manic state or the depression manic. state when you manic. were threatening to kill her? That was manic. Manic. Yeah. And then when you're crying and whatever. That's still manic for That's me. still manic yeah. for you. The depression is a whole other thing that just, I don't want to get out of bed. I, you know, the pain mm -hmm. is enormous. Do the other cast members know that you have this? Oh, yeah. 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 And do they say, oh, is he coming in today? Is he <laughs> manic? Is he? Oh, no. They... Where is Sonny today? <laughs> Well, yeah. you know what they, they, you know, they joke around. They say, did, he, "Did you take your medication today?" Yeah. The only time that I've had a breakdown is when I go off medication. Uh huh. So I've had three. Or drink, because drinking obviously. Drinking is self-medicating. Yeah. You know, and when I was a kid, when I was a teenager and stuff, I used to drink quite a bit. Mm -hmm. And now I can look back and say that I was just self-medicating myself. And I used to, uh, I was taught kind of not to cry because mm -hmm. I'm Hispanic. Mm hmm So I couldn't let it out. And if you hold things in too long, you're, you're going to cry eventually. Yeah, you, gonna, you explode. Out, yeah. Rage. And you've said you've let your character go many times places where you can't or where you won't let yourself go? Yeah, because and this character is so dark and, mm -hmm. and, and intense. Uh, playing him, I'm, I'm able to cry, mm -hmm. which I don't normally do. Mm -hmm. Or I'm able to yell and get, you know, that I don't want to do that at home. Mm -hmm. So I get to do it at work and leave it there. Yeah. So were you on medication at the time that you became violent and threatened? I had been off for two years. You'd been off for two years. And the pressure of getting General Hospital and doing this dark character, um, that's why, you know. You I... took yourself off. This is what's interesting to me. So many people I've heard were on medication, doing really fine. Then you start to feel in great. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then you take yourself off. Yeah. Why? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why? 
because uh, you start feeling like uh, you don't need it. Mm -hmm. um, you can do without it. Mm -hmm. And then, but I, I remember what happens if, if I don't take it. Yeah. And then I just. So when you're on it, do you feel medicated? Like we were talking about the alcohol is, no. you feel nothing. I feel nothing. You, you just feel normal. Yeah, it mm -hmm. feels great. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I, I've been on it now for 10 years. Mm -hmm. And I've done great mm -hmm. for, in 10 years. For so 10 years. It, you know, so you take it what, twice a day, once a day? Three? Once a day for four little pills. For, for little I do pills. get tired. What? But he even, I have to say this, just so, he still flirts with the idea of not taking medication. Oh, come on. He does. <laughs> he does. Flirts he does. with the idea. He flirts because now, you know, yeah. I wouldn't let him. You wouldn't let him. I'd sneak in, I'd do something. Yeah. <laughs> There's no way. Yeah, we're going to get yeah. that pill in it's there somehow. It's going down. It's going down. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. I ask him all the time. On the tape we're talking about, it's a paralyzing depression. Paralyzing meaning what? Look. Um, my first breakdown, which is the worst, I was hospitalized. Like I, in an institution? Yeah, yeah. With the little things on the you? Whole, the, the whole, whole nine thing. yards. The whole nine yards. If you're a bad boy, they put you in the seclusion room, mm -hmm. which is a room with four walls of bed, and they tie you down to your wrist, your waist, and your ankles. <clears throat> That's got to be a low moment. It's, it's, it, it, it's, not, it's, it's not good. But I remember what story I, there was a latch in the wall mm -hmm. that I finally got to. I was trying to get out, you know, and I got, there was a latch in the wall and I took it off. And I had, I wanted to end my life. Mm -hmm. It was a metal latch about that long. So you were going to slit your wrist? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then I started praying. And I took the thing, broke it in half, made it into a cross, and I put it by my bed. Mm. But as far as the depression, when I escaped that hospital, um, once the medication wears off, you start believing there's nothing left in your life. I mean, I weighed 129 pounds. I was depressed. I, I would literally roll out of bed, and I would call my mother every morning. I can't do this, Mom. I can't do it. Because mm -hmm. nothing felt good. Mm -hmm. Nothing felt good. Mm -hmm. I'm telling you, everything you can think of that feels good, nothing felt good. Do you, do you feel like you're crazy? Because anyway, we, you were talking about a nervous breakdown. What do, everybody uses the term, we've heard the term nervous breakdown. What is that? <sighs> well, the fi it's, it's, a, it's a feeling of out of control. You're so out of control. Mm -hmm. Your mind's racing. Mm -hmm. um, your emotions feel like enormous, mm -hmm. like you can run a marathon. Mm -hmm. And that's the cool feeling about it. Mm -hmm. You can conquer the world. Yeah. But then other things come into play, especially with me when I, when I would drink, mm -hmm. and then I would get the rage would come out. And that's not, I'm not proud of that. Mm -hmm. The rage. The rage. You told one of our producers that your daughter asked you a really difficult question a few months ago. Yeah, I think she kind of, we were in the kitchen and she kind of looked at me and said, Dad, are you? Papa, are you crazy? <laughs> and I remember Paula saying something like, no, honey, he's, he's manic depressive, mm -hmm. and he takes medication. But Papa's not crazy. Mm. Do you feel, now that you've come out with it, that do you feel, does that free you, or does it make you feel more self-conscious, or what? Well, for me, I mean, early on, I was told not to talk about it because nobody would hire me, mm -hmm. producers, directors, because they think I'd go crazy on the set. Mm -hmm. 
But I, I realize that for me, it's much more important to help people than to work for mm -hmm. idiots like that, you know? Mm -hmm. So. Got it. Bipolar disorder, once known as manic depression, affects 2.3 million Americans. Men and women are equally likely to develop it. Its sufferers endure cycles of devastating lows and euphoric and compulsive highs. People with bipolar disorder have three times the alcohol and drug abuse rate as the rest of the population. The mania, or the highs, can lead to destructive, extreme, and reckless behavior, including violence, aggression, compulsive shopping, and sexual promiscuity. The irrational highs are followed by periods of deep, paralyzing depression. Many bipolars in this state contemplate suicide. 20% end up dying by their own hands. She starred in multi-million dollar blockbusters and was one of Hollywood's first female action heroes. Remember when Linda Hamilton burst onto the big screen in the 1984 blockbuster Terminator opposite Arnold Schwarzenegger? A few years later, she became a star on the small screen in the hit series Beauty and the Beast. But it was when she reprised her role in Terminator 2 that Linda Hamilton, leaner and meaner than ever, became the epitome of the strong, sexy woman of the 90s. She fell in love and married Terminator director James Cameron, and they became fixtures on the red carpet. But away from the spotlight, Linda was living a personal hell. Volatile, violent relationships, panic attacks, and alcohol and drug abuse. Today, Linda, a single mother of two, is revealing the truth behind her private battle, a lifelong struggle with mental illness. Today, Linda Hamilton is speaking publicly about her manic depression that went undiagnosed for most of her life. And I know that my parents found me beating a puppy with a stick when I was five. I've remembered ever since then that horrible tale of, you know, of beating a, a precious soul with a stick. And that's pretty much the way my life went. For Linda Hamilton, a lifelong battle with mental illness began early. My whole childhood was lost to me. An identical twin, she hated resembling her sister and took drastic measures to rebel. In her teen years, Linda began to lash out. My sister, she would, would curl her beautiful hair. I would cut mine so it was this long. Someone once asked me on the school bus if my eyelashes were false because I had such long, thick lashes. And damn it all if I didn't go home and cut them off for two years. As Linda lost control, food became a comfort. I would sneak out of the house to the grocery store and take babysitting money and buy myself a box of donuts and a bag of Fritos this big. I got up to 170 pounds. Linda found her passion in acting and in her early 20s moved to Hollywood, but depression shadowed her every move. I really started to just break down and I was only 22 years old and doing my own TV series. I turned to drugs, alcohol use. I medicated with lots of cocaine in my early life. Anything that I could do to get my confidence up. She married actor Bruce Abbott at age 26, but her reckless and unpredictable behavior began ripping their relationship apart. I was very physical at times. I would grab him by the legs and refuse to let him leave me. Once um, throwing a glass of water in his face, I would make him suffer. I think after a while, my dark, dark place began to swallow him up whole, just swallow him alive. Their marriage was in turmoil when Linda became pregnant. She says Bruce couldn't take the ups and downs any longer. 
He lived in fear of me. He left me saying I was a bully. Devastated and alone, Linda says her life had spun out of control. Then she got the phone call that changed everything, an offer to co-star in Terminator 2. It could not have been better timing for me to get up every morning and get out there and exercise and start to feel stronger and turn myself into this fighting machine. So of course I went too far with the exercise. I worked out, I worked out, I worked out, I worked out. So is it the self-medicating with what? Exercise? Yes. That's when she began her relationship with the film's director, James Cameron. By the time Jim and I were together, I was really spiraling out of control. I fought him, I fought everything about his life. I really said a lot of cruel, aggressive things to him. Well, you know, words that should never be spoken to one that you love. The pressures of stardom and a high-profile relationship proved too much to bear. I couldn't find my energy or my strength. The girl who made her whole career on her strength and vitality. I couldn't get up off the couch. There was a point after my daughter was born that I was even having hallucinations. She was haunted by horrifying images of her children. I couldn't leave the house without images of them being chopped into bloody pieces. Her second marriage was beginning to crumble and a very ugly public divorce was looming. I felt like I was gonna die, that I was just gonna lay on the floor and let go and let it all go. And I think in a way it would have been a relief with all the pressure that I felt for all those years. Justin and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. And Linda Hamilton is here going public with her very personal story. What kind of day is today for you? Manic or depressive? <laughs> <laughs> Every day is a good day. Mm -hmm. I'm on a medication for the depression. Mm -hmm. I've been on that medicine for 10 years. Um, it's taken me a long time to get my life back, I, to really come to, to, to be the solid. person that, to feel solid and, and to hold. be the person that I was raised to be and mm. the person that I always was inside mm -hmm. that just couldn't find a way out. You know, this is so great because you're a famous movie star, everybody looks at people who are famous and thinks that you have these incredible lives and they don't realize that you really inside inside every famous person is a real person. Yes. And that uh, many people are gonna see you today and they're gonna say, oh my God, that's me. That's me. That's me without the fame, but that's me. Had you any idea that you were mentally ill when you were doing all of these crazy things? No, I, I don't think that mentally ill was a phrase that... <laughs> you would have used. That most people would embrace yeah. about themselves. Mm -hmm. um, I was pegged with depression early on in my, you know, in my 20s when I, you know, I went to counseling and to therapists and, I mean, an endless struggle to get some understanding and to change my behavior. But the, the bipolar uh, part of the illness wasn't diagnosed until many years later. Many years later. Now, I heard that you said to the producers, you actually like the manic part, because what is that like, the manic part? Um, you're absolutely unstoppable. 
I'll tell you, that was just like being on the best drug in the world because really? you didn't need sleep. Yeah. Heightened, heightened, heightened awareness, heightened life, heightened experiences. But then that takes its toll and okay, eventually and it's going to zap last? your brain from all the other chemicals that help you cope. How long does that last, um, that heightened state? Well, for me, the last one has lasted for eight years. Really? <laughs> no, because right now... Okay. <laughs> really? I want yeah. what she's yeah, having. whatever that is. <laughs> um, you know, life for me right now feels like just one incredible, not, not, a, not manic in terms of I'm out of control and hearing voices, but, you know, dealing with the depression has helped so much sort of bring my life down to a normal to, place. To balance. Yes. So let's talk about your sister's wedding. What happened there? Well, my, when my older sister married, you know, this was all sort of coming to a head with, mm -hmm. you know, just having left Jim's house and, you know, being so much on my own. And what, I it? just was a mess. I mm -hmm. mean, here was my sister's joyous day. And I just remember just, I'll be all right. This isn't about me. I'm fine. I mean, I just was a collapsed mess. So my sister came, my twin sister came for three months and cared for my children while I went and did this movie. Mm -hmm. and, um, and it was at that point that I everything really just fell apart. But could you do the movie? Could you, how were you when it came I, to acting? Well, you could take on somebody else's role? I was, um, I had been spotted, my, my family physician had seen a lot of the evidence of the strain that I was going through, mm -hmm. and he saw that I was in trouble, and he said, look, as a celebrity, I know that it might be hard for mm -hmm. you to go for help, so here is Prozac. I mean, he just like slipped me this medicine and said, if you take it, you need to um, be monitored, you need to call me. And I was like, oh, thank you, thank you, I'm fine. I mean, I was just so fierce and sure that I could do it all by myself. Mm -hmm. So people had spotted it. There were friends of mine that were saying, hey, you can't help who you are right now. But it just sort of all broke at about that time. Now, you say your bipolar behavior really uh, affected both of your marriages. Were, would you say you terrorized both of your husbands? Um, Jim is a very difficult person to terrify. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he was my equal. Uh huh. <laughs> he was my equal in that regard. Not that he terrified me, but you know, he was certainly stronger and mm -hmm. able to, um, you know, carry on. I, I acted out a tremendous amount in my first marriage, especially, mm -hmm. with no clue as to what was really going on. The depression, the disappearing into books for a year. I mean, I married my husband in for a year, I didn't speak to him, I just read books. I mean, it was very difficult to explain that behavior, but I was in hiding. I was trying so hard to kind of keep myself level, but... Now, which one? Your first husband said you were a bully. I think he left said right. you were a bully. That's were right. Were you? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. If mm -hmm. I was suffering, everyone around me had to suffer. Mm -hmm. If he had done a small accidental thing to hurt my feelings, I couldn't recover. You couldn't so recover. So I was constantly, you know, I wish it hadn't happened. I wish this hadn't happened, which is no way to live your life mm -hmm. because things happen. Okay. Right? So, so you were a living, crazy B-word. Not always crazy. Yeah, yeah. Not yeah. always crazy, mm -hmm. but the times that were crazy were crazy. Are the lows as low as the highs are high? I would say that my lows were much lower than my highs, but the, the highs were quite manageable. And, and I, you know what? I really worried about treatment for myself because I didn't want to lose those incredible parts of myself that could reach so high and were so competent, you know? Uh -huh. um, I was really afraid that, that I would lose the best parts of myself. Right. So I fought medication for years. You fought it. I fought it off. Mm -hmm. Well, of course, now tell that's me this: how you would, how you could you get through the movies? Mind. How could you get through the movies? I mean, with the Terminator I mean, himself, too. Yes. Uh -huh. 
Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what helped a lot actually in those days was the exercise program that I, mm -hmm. um, you know, needed for the for the movie. Mm -hmm. It helps uh -huh. the brain. It uh -huh. helps release the extra energy. Um, I don't think I'd ever breathed properly until I started working out. Uh-huh. How have your children been affected by your bipolar disorder? Well, the best thing is that we have a completely open dialogue to talk mm -hmm. about anything in our family. Mm -hmm. They have benefited greatly by my, you know, 20-year search for help and for answers. Um, I would say that maybe in the early years, I was scary to them a few times. I think it was when I had children that I woke up one day, you know, woke up and said, I have to be an adult. I'm not going to scare my children. I... You know, I want to be here in every possible way for them. And for 20 years, it had all been about me, me, me mm -hmm. fighting to make myself feel better, me fighting to manage the bad feelings, um, the, the emotions, the thoughts, the cyclical thoughts that I had. So um, I, I didn't want to be that person with my children, and I got so, help. Again, I was saying for everybody who's watching, it feels like what? Rage was such a big part of my life. I mean, I think it fired up my career for many years, mm -hmm. too. I mean, boy, yeah. do well, angry, get want, angry, get Linda Hamilton. I mean, anger came real easily <laughs> to me. So, um, No, you I'm know, still stuck on the, went home and, I mean, I, I, I wear false eyelashes. I paid $3.99 a pair for them. <laughs> and, uh, and, and save them so that I can save an extra dollar by, uh, for the next day. So the idea, because I have no eyelashes, right. mine are so straight. <laughs> so when, you, when I heard that you cut off your eyelashes, I'm thinking that was a sign right Go there. figure, I know. <laughs> That... Something was very wrong. You went home and cut off your eyelashes. Yeah. The signs were there for a long time. For a long time. Mm -hmm. Well, I thank you so much. Justin and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. Almost 19 million Americans suffer from clinical depression. Twice as many women suffer from depression as men. And a recent study by the National Institute of Mental Health suggests that one in eight women will experience depression in her lifetime. But of those women, fewer than half will seek treatment. Singer Sean Colvin walked away with two Grammys for her hit song, Sunny Came Home. Uh, she was happily married with a baby on the way. We even featured her nursery on our show. But what none of us knew at the time, uh, Sean was hiding a very painful secret. Today, for the first time, she is sharing her story. Even when she was a young child, she was plagued with dark thoughts. I remember wishing I was dead. I don't know, maybe other four and five-year-olds think that. I, it just seems pretty extreme to me. And growing up, Sean says her symptoms began to escalate. Her feelings of despair grew out of control. And not long after that, I started drinking heavily. I drank beer, I drank wine, I drank every night. I sometimes had some tequila. I was anxious and depressed and obsessed, and when I drank, I didn't feel that way. I felt carefree. It was really the hangovers that got me. Eventually, after a few years of it, when I would wake up hungover like that, I would want to be dead. I'd feel suicidal. When drinking was no longer enough to numb the pain, Sean began starving herself. 
I was anorexic for a year. I felt powerful and in control and pretty. I think it's another response to some sort of illness that has to do with depression and obsession. My obsession with food and weight and appearance didn't stop when I quit being anorexic. It's still there. As her career took off, Sean was in denial about her depression. She went on and off her medication, putting herself on an emotional roller coaster until she finally hit rock bottom. I just sat on the floor against the wall, just heaving sobs. After it went on for several days, and this awful despair and lethargy it was just, it just surrounded me. Going to the bathtub to bathe was too far a journey. I really began to think of killing myself. It seemed like the right thing to do. For some reason, I was able for a millisecond to step outside myself and go, you're having a calm internal dialogue about slitting your wrists in the bathtub with your clothes on so it won't freak your sister out. Does something strike you as wrong about that? And I knew I was in trouble. Thank you. And you, I just want to make clear, you don't have mania at all, just depression. And anxiety. What anx I have is an anxiety disorder along with a depression, which is different from mania. Different from mania. Yeah. OK. Explain to people how this is different. I, the word depression is used so often in yeah. our culture that people think, oh, I'm depressed today. I'm feeling a little blue. Mm. For It's not that at all, you know? Maurice described it as fighting the devil, and it, it's a battle between light and darkness, and you... It's, that's a good description. It's very dark, it's very black, and it's worst phase, it's, it's psychic pain and, and no future, no hope, you know? Um, just very despairing, very hopeless. Yeah. yeah. Maurice, you felt that way, too? Yeah, Hopeless. absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Okay, so when did you know that this was really a, a disorder and not just something you could talk yourself out of? I was diagnosed officially with it when I was 19 years old, mm -hmm. but I was in denial for a long time after that. Mm -hmm. um, I was given medication at that time, and it worked, uh -huh. but uh, I went off it fairly quickly. <laughs> I got to say, Oprah, see, there's... There's a denial that goes along with this. Uh -huh. um, perhaps if it was less stigmatized, you know, and we could say... But nobody knows you're on it but you, so I don't understand why you it's, go no, off. No, but it's the internal... It's knowing that you have a mental illness, and, and it's, there's something about that. You want to be okay. okay. You, want, you don't, you know, don't want to have it. Okay, so... It's great to be able to take the medication, and it makes sense that you would go, hey, I found medicine. You know, it's okay, but there's something very deep that makes you want to say, you know, I don't have to take it. I'll, I'll be okay this time. So what triggered the last episode when you hit rock bottom? Uh, the last episode when I hit rock bottom was basically just this idea that I didn't need it anymore. I'd been on it for about five years. And I had just gotten done with a tour, and I was happily married to my first husband. And I just had a break and was home and thought, you know, I'll... Uh, yeah. I'll just clear my system out. Mm -hmm. That was my idea. Mm -hmm. And I began by seeing that if I'd go to work out, I could last a couple minutes on an on a exercise machine and feel like I was going to cry. And then little things like just trying to tack up a nail in the house, if, it, if something went wrong with that, I, I would just crumble. And everything's a crisis when you're, when you're depressed. Yeah, and yeah. this went on for days and days. 
till I finally ended up in the bed and um, couldn't get out and had started having those calm thoughts about how I should end my life. And yeah. I thought that was so it. interesting the way you described it, that you're having a conversation with yourself yeah. about. You kind of keep hitting walls, you know, and nothing, you're not getting through any doors. Nothing's a solution, nothing's helping. You don't want to talk to anybody. Music isn't helping. Anything that you enjoyed isn't helping. It's not an option. You're just slamming into doors. And that one was so severe and so dark. I mean, it was around me. You know, the, like I said, to the bathroom was another world. You know, it was all here. And I had this idea. Well, I could get out of this. And here's the way I could get out of it. Now, what would be the best way? I mean, I'd been in anxiety states before and depressed. I wish I could die, you know? But this was like, hmm. I sh if I was going to do it, this would probably be the best way, because it would, you know, be the mm. not, you know, the less, the least messy, and you know, just very and organized. Did you, did you scare yourself? Yes, you scared I, yourself. I, I, when I got to where I was, it was really getting detailed, and I was thinking about how my sister would probably find me and how I, I should do it to make it the least traumatic for her. I had a moment. Okay, we did you on our show. Yeah, and at that time you were keeping a secret. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, um, one of your producers looked at the tape mm -hmm. that we did then, and she said, you know, I asked you how you felt that day, and you told me, yeah, okay. She said, and I looked at it, and you don't look so good. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, Oprah's people were coming to visit me. You know, mm -hmm. I wanted to do the best I could. But, uh, oh, yeah, the postpartum thing, and Linda talked about it, was rough, very, very difficult. And she was about two months old when y'all came to visit. Mm -hmm. And so postpartum for you was like what? Oh, initially it was really uh, bad. I think part of, the, part of the way I've dealt with my depressions in the past is I've had the ability, uh, if necessary, to just check out. There have been times when I've not shown up at work, mm -hmm. at gigs. Mm -hmm. Not a lot of them, but it's happened. Because mm -hmm. um, you just couldn't get out of bed. I couldn't get on the plane. Couldn't get, couldn't on, the get plane. on the plane, man. Mm -hmm. Just couldn't get on. And I knew it was going to be a big deal for me to commit to this baby, to have a baby. But I thought it was the best challenge I could offer myself and that I really would rise to it. And I feel I have. But it, when that baby comes home, I mean, it's, there's this idea that, oh, you know, and you're bonded right away. I don't, it's, it wasn't true for me. Mm -hmm. This was a new person. I didn't know her. She didn't know me. And Who I was. Who are you? Who the hell are you? Yeah. And uh, you're taking it off. Uh -huh. You know, and that's what's supposed to happen, and I knew it, and I was there for it. I, you know, breast better for two years and got up every two hours and did the whole thing, but, man, I, the world went away. <clears throat> I mean, it was, it was, a, it was depression. Probably the best thing about it was that I did not allow myself to leave the situation. I hung in there, and hung that probably there. helped. Yeah. Now, I heard that you said to the producers that you had a crying thing on an airplane just last week. Yeah. Is that true? Yeah. Over what? Well, you know, what I do is travel. Uh -huh. That's basically what I do. On the road a lot. Uh, yeah, and we're talking just me. There's no tour manager. There's no, no nobody. It's me on a plane every day, different town, and strangers, promoters. I mean, even your audience who loves you, and you. it's the best part of the day, but it's yeah. an hour and a half out of the day. Yeah. And the rest of the day, you're coping, and you're getting to where you're going. Mm-hmm. Okay. Thank you, Maurice and Paula. Thank you, Linda. Thank you, Sean. I think you guys did such an amazing service today. We're so glad you did so the show. So many people Thank are going to see themselves in you today. Thank you. I'm Oprah Winfrey, and you've been listening to The Oprah Winfrey Show, the podcast. 
If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next week for another Oprah show, The Podcast. And I thank you for listening. Justin and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers. But you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. <laughs> AutoTrader.